0: Welcome to the Poetry Questions TPQ 20, where we sit down with your favorite authors to talk about passions, process, pitfalls, and poetry. My name is Chris Margolin. Let's expand the conversation. Hi. How are you doing?
1: good how are you
0: i'm doing all right it's not very often that i see somebody else with like a microphone in front of them i i you (sighs) must be you must be a podcast host
1: yes you already know the vibe i'm actually (laughs) recording right after this i was like this is so perfect i don't have to set up twice
0: (laughs) awesome Well, thank you so much for hopping on TPQ20 with me today. It is a pleasure to have you on. And as always, we like to start off by saying we know who you are, but our audience may be new to you. So if you were to give the bio that is not, uh, you know, a part of your already there resume, uh, who would you say you are?
1: Oh, wow. Um, Well, thank you for inviting me. Absolutely. Uh, My name is Ajne Dawkins. I use she, her pronouns and oh gosh i am a poet a performer um i write other things that kind of move between genres so kind (laughs) of like play essay situations um i'm a church girl i'm a beyonce fan i'm a self-proclaimed disco queen um I'm definitely in the, as, as my best friend, Brittany would say, I'm in the neuro spicy club. Um, (laughs) and you know, depending on the day, I love it here. Other days it's rough. (laughs)
0: Feel that.
1: Um, and yeah, I'll, I'll stop there.
0: All right. Well, that gives us that gives us plenty to chat about. Uh, I would be remiss if I didn't first ask about the uh, disco queen status. Where does uh, where does this come from? And uh, where can we find you dancing away to disco music? I'm just, you know,
1: mostly in the shower or (laughs) Saturday mornings in my house while I'm cleaning. Um, That's a great question. I think it mostly comes from my dad. Um, a, a thing that I write really frequently in applications places is I talk about how my, my dad's a musician. Um, he's like a rapper, but he was really, really immersed um, in the music scene in New York. Mm. Um, so he like kind of came into the world like around the genesis of hip hop Okay, in the Bronx. And then was really really immersed in the world um so like all of my all of the new stuff no clue what's (laughs) going on but like you're talking about heavy d you know what i mean you're talking about (laughs) you're talking about the the older generation that my dad very much so um had those things playing constantly, like I love that over Christmas, Christmas Eve, me and my dad were dancing to a disco mix in the house while we ate duck
0: <laughs> love it.
1: um, so that that's where that comes from. And I've been advocating for the resurgence of disco for a very long time. and now Beyonce is making my dreams come true,
0: so then I gotta ask favorite guilty pleasure disco song,
1: oh. You might have to come back to me on that. I don't know. I don't know if I have a guilty pleasure.
0: Well, then maybe it's not guilty. Then just favorite disco song to dance around to.
1: Right now. Um, hold on, because I've been listening to this. B. Slade. I've been listening to B. Slade's version of it. Because right. um, there's a mix where B. Slade does it. But the original. Um can you feel it you know oh my gosh oh you know what i'm talking about i do
0: actually from even that i i can hear it in my head but yeah names of songs
1: you make me feel you know what i'm talking about yes okay that song (laughs) hold on hold on we're about to (laughs) mighty real you make me feel mighty real okay yes by sylvester's thank you oh yes that's awesome yes but b slade's version of it okay Man, B Slade has a version on um on Frankie Knuckles. Frankie Knuckles does this like mix and okay. it's that version is like that song plus the church met mm. and you can see me dancing to that any day of the week.
0: <laughs> awesome. Okay. Um so I think the answer to my next question might come pretty easily then I'm I'm going to assume that uh Words were uh, an early um uh, you came into words early given that your dad is kind of invested in the world of rap and music scene. Um you've talked about church a little bit so uh how did you find your own voice and how old were you when you started to put your pen to paper?
1: Oh gosh. Um I was young when I took an interest in writing. Um, So uh, the, uh, it's like a twofold. The first time I was like on a stage with a microphone in my hand, I was three years old. Ooh. And my grandfather, who's a, who's a pastor, he has a church, like knew I had an affinity for the stage and oh. I didn't know anything. So he let me sing the Barney song because I was just so passionate. <laughs> about and I didn't know any gospel songs at the time (laughs) so there's that and then very early in like elementary school maybe like third or fourth grade we had to write our first like research essays and I wrote about like the global like feminism my third grade brain version of like feminism and religion like with women globally um and like disadvantages that women were at everybody i wish my
0: seventh graders would do that history (laughs) what is like this is amazing
1: no everybody was very confused that should have been the first clue that i was in the neuro spicy gang but no one asked questions
0: (laughs) so did you Did you ever, I guess, were you thinking maybe that you were going to head toward music or was poetry kind of the, the direction that at least you were, you know, your artistic direction. Did you, where were you heading?
1: My family wanted me to head towards music, but we found out really quickly that I couldn't hold a note. And so (laughs) that was a little bit of a deterrent um, just slightly. And I think it was in middle school I was on Tumblr and oh, so Tumblr. Tumblr did it for me it wasn't even Tumblr poetry I didn't register in like fifth and sixth grade that what I was writing was poems I was like I write quotes because <laughs> hey.
0: quotes are you know quotes are mo- much more memorable uh at least that the idea of a quote to a lot of <laughs> students is way more memorable than a poem
1: yeah yeah I guess that that's how I framed it and quotes,
0: quotes live on in infamy. I mean. They do.
1: They yeah. do. And I would see them on t- Tumblr. So I was like that's what I write. And then I I'd never been to a slam or a poetry event, but I think I saw somebody on like Def Jam poetry oh. on mm-hmm. YouTube and I saw it and everything just clicked and I was like that's what I do.
0: Love it. Nice. Yeah. So um yeah, the YouTube board, the YouTube for Def Jam poetry was kind of my A little bit of my like bridge between my super nerdy my major was focused on 16th and 19th century British poetry so for a long time like and I've been teaching for 20 years now when I started teaching my first couple years I when I took over the creative writing uh, program at the high school I was teaching at I was like yeah let's bring in these John Donne poems because they really want to know about this and (laughs) And eventually like the, the poetry question eventually came about because a student asked me to prove the relevancy of poetry in the 21st century. And so oh. I happened to know some of the, like some of the early button poets. So I knew to at least go on YouTube. And so button poetry and Def Jam poetry were like the two real big, like, ah, yeah. this is, this is what poetry is.
1: Yes. <laughs>
0: I love that. Um, the Tumblr, I got to ask you then, cause I've asked poets before, Did you keep it?
1: Um, No, I actually (laughs) like went back. I don't know if I completely deactivated my Tumblr, but it's fairly embarrassing now um, because I was just like... (laughs) Putting things into the ether. (laughs) Me and my best friend, though, um, my other best friend, her name is Miana, um, we did do an evening where we just pulled out our old notebooks and our old writings and we read them to each other. And they were 20 times worse than you could imagine.
0: Because it's like a mini mortified.
1: It's It's, horrible. It's amazing. so bad
0: <laughs> my wife and i found all of my cuz i've been playing music since i was 13 and uh so we we found legitimately 20 years of like notebooks wow. um and going back through the the high school notebooks where i would like write a song and my high school girlfriend would like write a response to it
1: oh my god
0: oh those things are they're priceless because they're dramatics amazing, right <laughs>
1: the dramatics it was it was bonkers. The don't even get me started on the love poems at 14 oh. what Ooh, yeah what i'm to this day i have not written anything as dramatic no um, and as deeply serious as my 14 year old breakup poems
0: <laughs> because they were timeless and heart-wrenching and they meant everything to you
1: yes yeah, so what instrument do you play
0: uh i i play guitar uh i've oh, been, okay, I've been dope. singing and playing music since uh, as well as I played my first shows when I was fourteen so uh and now i'm you know forty one I had to think about that for a moment so i've been yeah. been doing it for doing it for a minute and it's it's a lot of fun and it's it's interesting like the i always find it fascinating the kind of the crossroads of music and poetry like they really are two art forms that you know you put your heart and soul and everything you got into it and and hope that pennies come out of that at the end
1: yes <laughs> and I mean, they take is... a long time to show up and like <laughs> if they do show up they could be good right but like it's such a gamble i played trumpet for a long time that's why oh, i was curious i'm a trumpet cool. girl yeah
0: nice i, I love it I, I, the room i'm in is kind of uh, like behind me there stacks i was of looking at it wall. yeah we have courtney and i have quite a Quite a guitar collection at the house. So we uh, we all play. We have random folk music, folk instruments. Uh, we have a harp. We have like banjoleles. We have. I
1: love the harp.
0: Well, we figured, you know, we've we've got a we've got an eleven year old, almost twelve in a couple of weeks, and. Um, We figured if we just had instruments around, maybe at some point they would start picking them up. Unfortunately, that never happened, Um, (laughs) but, but, you know, it's always fun to have, to have instruments around wherever you are and pick up whatever's next to you. Do you play anything other than trumpet?
1: No, I did take piano lessons, but I'm, I think I was just too deep. I played trumpet for like 10, 12 years. I played for a long time. So I've been thinking actually about getting my trumpets restored and returning, but by the time I um, went to go try to learn piano, I was taking lessons, but I was so frustrated because I could read in one clef and not the other. And so there was like a seven year gap in my music reading between the two clefs. And I just got really overwhelmed and kind of quit. Yeah. I should have started with, if I had started with with piano then mm-hmm. I would have had that issue
0: I started with viola uh, when okay. I was when I was in fifth or sixth grade and I have a really good ear um, so I even got into the Portland Youth Philharmonic but I never <gasps> learned to read music
1: oh wow so
0: I had I had a friend who had literally before every practice he would just play through everything for me so that and you so, can hear it uh-huh, and then he didn't show up one day and <gasps> I got caught And that was was the end of my, my days of viola in the Portland. Youth (laughs) You're
1: like the real life drum roll. It it
0: was, it was a lot of fun. It was, uh, it it was, it was fun. It was, it was a good moment or two. And uh, I mean, music has always been a big part of like my world. So it it was, that was a a fun step, but yeah, reading different clefs is, is. It's bonkers. Yeah. I don't, I, I don't even have that brain for different languages. I, so I, I (laughs) yeah. Um. Yeah. So, uh, I gotta ask you about verses, cause you've, yes. had a, you've had a heck of a year.
1: We've had um, a good year, yeah.
0: So, how how has it felt uh, hosting verses?
1: Um. Let's see. Uh, dream job. Can't believe <laughs> I get paid to do this. Literally, can't believe that I've been reading books and talking about and obsessing over poets for I don't know how many years and somebody was like yeah you could do that as a job and I was right. like what that's crazy
0: <laughs> who's been who's been your favorite interview so far on there have you had oh, like a like one that was just like you never even imagined talking to this person
1: um I don't want to say favorite but two I will say I'll name two conversations that I feel like haunt me. Ooh. Um. One is our conversation with Naomi Shihab Nye, because we asked her, like, what would you tell your younger self? And she was like, it took her a really long time to like process it. And she kind of came to terms with like, I don't know that I would tell my younger self anything because I live the life of my dreams. Ooh. And I was like, oh, and that idea <sighs> has been screwing with me every, am I yeah. living the life of my dreams? Like- Cause I was like, I got regrets from two days ago. (laughs) Like, you know what I mean? Like, dude, I have stuff I want to tell me from two days ago, like girl, get it together. And I'm like emotional, just thinking about it. Like her saying that it literally shifted the way that I thought about my day-to-day and what I prioritize and, um, what I love and what I'm putting my time into, um, and why (laughs) like what what is the actual motivation there um and then the second one which uh it's on its way out so I guess it'll be out by the time this comes out is um just my conversation with toy with toy derricot which was (laughs) can't even can't even describe it but um having a very candid conversation about death with somebody who is um in the I don't want to say in the second half of their life because she already corrected me on that. So <laughs> she was like, no, I'm in the final quarter. <laughs> um in, in in like the latter part of their life and hearing them talk really candidly about death, um, and thinking about the social stigma of talking about the end of our lives and what transition means. So yeah, those two conversations haunt me every, and haunt but me I, in a good way.
0: And I have to imagine with your, you know, your world of theology as well, that one really, that kind of hits home.
1: Yeah, it was, especially thinking, I think a lot about theology and poems and that, I think, I literally think about those conversations every day, like every single day. <laughs> every single day.
0: Well, and and I guess it, question because I do you know my like I said my background is you know that 16th to 19th century poetry and, and the early part of that you see a lot of a lot of priests leaving the church um, mm-hmm. and moving to poetry yeah. uh, as a way to ask questions um, and I think that's that's kind of where my my love of of poetry really I think part of it comes from is you know, I, my, my family is Jewish, but I've always considered myself an atheist. Mm-hmm. Um, but my dad gave me the greatest advice ever when I was, you know, when I was 12 or 13 and um, I told them I was an atheist, his advice was, if you're going to say that you better know all of the other religions so you can have a conversation about why. Mm, um, yeah. and, and my parents are not very religious people, but it led me down a road of, of, you know, philosophy and, and theology studies. Cause I. I'm intrigued by it, yeah. Um, and I and I think the the questioning portion of those early, you know, the, the 1500s was, was fascinating. Where do you think theology's place in poetry is today?
1: Oh, that is actually it's a big, that's
0: a big question. <laughs>
1: <laughs> it's a big question, but it's a question I'm I'm constantly thinking about. And to to be transparent about my lens when I'm talking about poetry, 90% of what I'm talking about is contemporary Black poetry. And not Mm -hmm. because I'm not studying other folks' work, but when I'm talking about it with theology, that is a lot of what I'm looking at. Um, So I've been doing some critical work, none of which is public, um, other than um, like some lectures I've given, which I actually don't even think those are online. I've given Mm. some lectures at some museums. Um, But right now, I'm really my obsession is in what it means to look at um contemporary black poetics, but also black poetics through time, past and, and present, and think about some of these works as sacred texts that are doing um a kind of theological work, even if they never mention God. Um, even if uh there's no no mention of faith or spirit um and to take them seriously as texts that are prophetic um as take them seriously that as texts that are interpreting the divine will of god so um uh for my thesis at randolph um i talk about danez smith's um summer somewhere as like an example of what it means for black people to interpret um like God's divine will for heaven and the idea that there might be a heaven where black people exist (laughs) um, that is made and informed by God responding to the suffering of black people on this earth. And like, what kind of like bump the rapture, like that (laughs) eschatology, like bump, you know, the idea that people like, we're just going to be sucked up one day. Like when I think about an eschatology for, you know, for anybody who doesn't know is like the theological, um, uh, thinking through or beliefs around what happens at the end of the world and okay. what happens in your transition to the mm. next life. Okay. So like, the eschatology has been like the rapture and like the second coming, which like I'm I'm a fairly orthodox Christian, depending on who you ask. Um, <laughs> some people have disowned me, but that's okay. Um, so I like believe Jesus is coming back, but like I believe that poem is eschatology. I also believe that like God. Like can maybe will hopefully take Dinez's poem and let it inform heaven. um oh, I, I love
0: that. they would love that too. <laughs> yeah,
1: no, that yeah. I've I, I've been telling them forever. I'm like Denez, do you know what they're walking doing? Like I'm like I'm entering prayer with this work. Um, Ariel, I, I have a similar idea about Ariel Marie's oh. um pantoum for Ayana, um, or even just thinking about um, uh Ross Gay, who has um oh god part of my neural spices i really struggle to bring um titles to remember titles
0: don't even exist in my uh, head it's okay they're dead um (laughs) uh
1: when uh Uh, Ross Gay writes the the poem for Eric Garner Mm -hmm. that went viral right there's um in in theology there's something called a hermeneutic and a hermeneutic is how you interpret um a scriptural text or how you interpret a religious text um but black folks in this country right have been offering counter hermeneutics like enslaved people had to offer an alternative hermeneutic um in order to advocate for their humanity so they had to say actually you're interpreting Paul this way but this is not how I interpret Paul and so when Ross Gay is writing a poem about Eric Garner being a gardener like working Mm -hmm. in the horticultural like that's a counter-hermeneutic because that's not the public narrative and Uh. like to 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 reassign humanity for black folks or to reaffirm the humanity of black folks by reinterpreting a public narrative. To me, that's divine work. That's mm. sacred work. Um, so this is a really big question. And like my thesis is like downloading in my head right now and the project is downloading in my head. But that is the that's where I see poetry and the debate. Fascinating.
0: I I appreciate the hell out of that response. It's it's incredible. Like that, that's not a response that I I would have expected i don't know what i expected but that's <laughs> that gives me so much to think about and it's funny i uh ross is coming up um yeah. i'm interviewing ross in a couple of weeks so now i'm gonna have to go back before that conversation and really take a look at that work and maybe ask that question of was that purposeful
1: yeah yeah oh, oh yeah i love that's... i love ross gay's work
0: oh absolutely
1: I love ross gay's work oh that makes me so excited that he's coming oh, on here
0: yeah no it's a uh, i i'm Blown away. That's you know when you talk about people that you never think that you get to interview. Yeah, um, Ross is definitely on that list. There have been a few that pop up where I'm like, wait, really? Huh? Like that? I get to interview? I get to talk to them?
1: Like, and your head thing? completely flies off. Yeah. yeah.
0: Like and I, you know, I we don't make any money on this one. Like, uh, so it's like, for me, the, the joy of just having these conversations. And I know for you, it's, I can tell from just watching you now and think <laughs> that like the joy of these conversations is, is incredible. And it's yeah. so much fun to, to talk with everybody that, you know, you, we interact with on the page or on Twitter or wherever on a, on a regular basis. It's incredible. So as yeah. we kind of as we kind of shift toward the ending here, what is next for you? What's what's coming up in in your world now that now that versus season is kind of winding down and
1: Yeah. What's uh
0: what's next?
1: Um next is I am oh gosh. I'm applying for things. I'm in, this is application season, uh, right (laughs) where this is happening. So that's taken up a lot of my world. Um, and I'm working on a handful of projects. I've been working on a project for a long time, just about, kind of about my mom, but I think it's more about the experience of being a daughter and like the relationships between black women. Um, and then I'm um, the other project I'm working on, um, and and how full of like how f- how much of a full project there'll be, um, is still up in the air, is uh, looking at the black church and black poetics and black theologies and the way that specifically shapes how I look at poems, um, and also kind of how the lived experiences of Black women have shaped my theology uh, really frequently more than um, a man in a pulpit (laughs) Um, and eating a lot of good food Um, and that's (laughs) (laughs) that's coming up I'm planning my meals for the next few months and I'm so excited for those (laughs)
0: that's fantastic thank you so much for hanging out today on tpq20 this was this was wonderful to talk with you i really appreciated this conversation um and i look forward to sending more and more people your direction as they listen um and i will talk with you uh soon i'm sure have a great rest of the night
1: thank you you too bye-bye bye